This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. I want you to prepare yourselves for this Word from the Lord this morning. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, is where we have been. 2 Kings, the 14th chapter, where we have been. And I want to drop this message off because it fits what God is already doing. 2 Kings 4th chapter, we'll start at verse 14. If you were here on last week, you know we've been in a series titled, so everybody say, A Year for the Books. Meaning what God's going to do is so great in your life, you're going to have to write it down for people to believe it. It's going to be, so somebody say, unbelievable what God's going to do. right there for a second. Hallelujah. I felt a quickening. All of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I felt a witness from heaven. Major holler, hey! I know for those who wonder what's going on, I felt a witness from heaven. felt like Mother Poe. <laughs> I feel it. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, 2 Kings 4 is where we've been. Today, I just, I'm going to read some scriptures and you just follow me through. We're going to discover this thing together in 2 Kings 4. And we've been preaching from a year for the books. And I've been dealing with your perception means everything. Tell somebody to say everything when it comes to prosperity. And I did about three sermons or so on the perception part. And I think we laid a good foundation, and if you missed the previous sermons, just go back at least one Sunday and see how this woman in 2 Kings, nobody told her that Elisha was a man of God. She perceived, and it says he passed continually by her all the time, and this woman had a wonderful relationship with her husband, um, that it's something to be noted. I talked a lot about relationships on last week, about husband and wives, but also about singles as well. I prophesied even to single people, get ready for some dates. Everybody say dates. Amen. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all acting all funny. But I felt it in the spirit realm. Some dates. Amen. Amen. Somebody over there shouting. Y'all can say what you want to say. Y'all can say what y'all want to say. Church people are the only people who act funny when it comes down to love and romance. Y'all act so funny. It's all over the Bible. Come on, the devil didn't create nothing. The devil didn't even create sex. God created that. Get in your Bible. You'll know what I'm talking about. The devil ain't create nothing. The devil ain't create nothing. I said he didn't create nothing. All he does is perverse what God creates. God created this. Come on, somebody. That's all one messed up. This man and his woman had a chemistry like no other. She saw this man Elijah and she said, honey, I think we got a proposition. We need to invite him to the house. And what I loved about the text that I'm not going too deep into today is I can't do it. I can't do it. What I loved about the text so awesome is it speaks about the great woman, but it does not ignore the awesome man. 
he's not even talking much in the verses but his stance alone is powerful I need another woman to tell another woman don't ignore the quiet man some of y'all look for men who make a whole bunch of noise but they're a quiet man got full of composure know who they are they ain't got to make a bunch of noise they ain't got they just be they just exist this man don't say a word in the text but he's there in authority and there in power some of y'all don't mess around looking for somebody loud and boisterous all the time I ain't saying that, that man is powerful that her and this man got a chemistry like no other that when they get together things happen tell somebody that's what I want you ain't got to say nothing I want that's what I want come on somebody I don't want no relationship that when we get together all we do is argue not argue argue all we do is argue we've been arguing all we've been arguing come on so nobody ain't got time we can get married to argue six you argue six days out the week come on somebody good things supposed to happen when you and I come together I need a chemistry that y'all ain't saying that that's what we want I can say what y'all want to say. You know what? I got tired of be arguing with you every morning. Can't even go to work without an argument. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We need a relationship that got a chemistry that when we talk and I talk, you put your A with my B and I put my peace with your peace. Don't mess with me. When we connect together, good thing. That's what I'm looking for. Y'all ain't saying nothing. This husband and wife had a chemistry. So don't get all twisted sometime. All right? Sometimes you have a relationship where the woman is a more outgoing personality than the man is. But don't mess it. Don't miss it. They do great things when they come together. Don't think that she's better than him because she talks more and she has more of a butterfly personality. Don't get it twisted. This man is powerful in this text. Yeah, I ain't saying nothing glory to God he know how to work his household he know how to work his house alright Lord help me I can't do it I can't do it this man this man and this woman know how to work their house and I want you to notice that I studied in the text. Put it in the verse there. Put the verse up there. Put that verse. Put that verse there. I promise you, I'll hit it and I'll go. I like the verse. Put the verse. Find that verse for me, Sister Tracy. Um, that verse that, uh, and continually he passed by and she went to her husband. I want you to understand, she understands that. Uh, uh, find that verse for me. Verse 9. Thank you, somebody. Find that verse. Verse 8. And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunammon, where was a great woman. She constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he's passed by, he turned thither to eat bread. Verse 9. That's where it gets good. And she said unto her husband, See, where households mess up is they allow other people to come in their house before they talk and agree with each other. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Y'all don't want to talk. You got women who are still hooked to their daddy and, 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 and men who still hooked to their mama. And mama and daddy is never greater than you two together agreeing on which way you're going to go. Come on now. It's okay to still love your mama. Give me two minutes. It's okay to still love your mama, but your wife trumps your mama. 
it's a different relationship it's a different communion and a different covenant Should, I know some of y'all it always be your mama this ain't about disrespect but when it comes to your house your house give me two minutes got to have boundaries otherwise it's not a house but what makes it a house is it has boundaries and y'all two gotta agree you can't be listening to grandma more than you listen to your husband you can't be listening to mama them more than you listen to your wife got other people running your household your loyalty is greater to your family than it is to your marriage Elisha didn't get in the house until they both agreed that he can come in the house. Some of y'all mess up your chemistry. Y'all wanna say nothing? I love my mama too. There's nothing about that. This ain't about uh, disrespecting mothers and fathers. But the Bible says, give me two minutes. The Bible says, for this cause shall a man leave mother and father see when you when you get ready to get with your boot thing get hooked up for marriage it means that you can build your own you you have enough wisdom and grace that you leave mother and father it don't mean you forsake them don't mean they don't have a role but they don't run this house it means you big enough and grown enough now to build your own thing it's what people messing up at Mm-hmm. We can't be in arguments all day over your mama and your daddy. Y'all ain't saying what I'm saying. Sooner or later, it got to be about us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm done with it. That's it. Take it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. But this woman serves Elisha so faithfully that Elisha decides she got to be blessed because of her faithfulness. I want to preach for a few minutes. Lord, help me. God is not finished. I'm in part six. Tell somebody God's not finished. Uh, God's not finished. God's not finished. Part six here for the books. Let's just start reading verse 14. Start reading. God, help me. I just feel like I don't have enough time. Lord, help me. And he said, I'm in verse 14. He said, Elisha to Gehazi, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily she have no child, and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my lord, no, no, no. No, no, don't be prophesying that to me. Thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. Say, don't lie to me. In other words, man of God, I've learned to be happy without it. I've learned to have joy without it. I've learned to get up every morning, although there's something I desired to happen, but God did not do. I've learned to have joy. I ain't been married yet, but I'm still happy. I don't have the job I wish I really want to have, but I've learned to be thankful for what I do have. So what she says, I've worked to fix my emotions that I can live in what I have not experienced yet. So she says, wait a minute, I done, got, I done learned, I done learned. I was thinking that this morning, I learned how to live holy. 
I done learned how to live right. You know, because you think you're going to learn under best conditions. You think you're going to learn when everything's kosher and copacetic and looking beautiful. No, you're going to learn through tough times. This woman said, I've learned how to have joy and happiness. Now, man of God, don't you come prophesying nothing that makes me stop believing in an area that I just got content with. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Don't lie to me. Meaning, don't bother me, man of God. Don't bother me. Don't get my hopes up. I've learned to be happy just where I am. And he said, no, about this season, verse 16, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son about this season. I want you to write this thing down because God told me, get ready for key dates. And when I talk about dates, I'm talking about Kairos moments. I'm talking about things in your life where things going to come together. I'm telling you, get ready for key dates. I'm talking about shifts where things will go from normal to supernatural. Where things went from just lolida, a regular day, to a supernatural day. God said, I want you to get ready for key dates, divine appointments, set times, important meetings, and shifting moments. Get ready, get ready, get ready. He says, about this time in the next season, about this time next year, you're going to embrace the sun. Tell somebody, write it down, write it down. Some key dates. There are going to be some key happenings that happen in your life, the Lord says. He said, you're going to embrace the sun. And verse 17 says, and the woman conceived. Tell somebody, it happened. And bear the son of that season that Elisha said unto her, uh, said unto her according to the time of life. In verse 18, and I want you to know verse 17 is where I ended on last week. That's the verse I ended at. And I ended there on purpose because I knew the rest of the story. And I didn't want to read the rest of the story. And I also thought I was at the end of this series on last week. I was getting ready for a new series titled uh, um, Interrupted by Favor. And I've been waiting to preach that new series Interrupted by Favor ever since that Sunday. Favor flew through this house like an anointing. If you was here, you know what I'm talking about. And I've been waiting for that series to preach it. And the Lord said, no, you're not finished yet. And he told me, he said, you're not finished because I'm not finished with my people. He said, I got something else to say from this chapter. And I wanted to spare you the pain. I stopped on 17 because it was ending on a good note last week. And I said, God, I don't even want to go into what happened to the son. I don't want to go into the tragedy. I don't want to go into the pain. I'm going to end this thing on a good note. Somebody say a good note. And the Lord says, no, I'm not finished yet. He says, I don't need you to back away from what I can handle. And God, I wouldn't need to back. And just as a loving person, I didn't want to talk about the pain she's about to go through. But we got to do it because God's not finished. In verse 18 it says when the child was grown it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reaper so his father is working and he goes out with the father and the, his other workers and they're out harvesting and reaping and, and gathering in the fruit and the harvest and he said unto his father my head my head as if he had a headache and something was going on inside of him. He said to the lad, this is just like the daddy, he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. Just like the daddy, take him, take him to his mama. You know, <laughs> I'm working, take him to his mama. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm busy, I'm focused, I love him too, but take him to his mother so she can nurse him. Take him to his mother, all right? And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, the servant took him, brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon. 
and then died. The thing that God prophesied and promised had died. The thing that you saw God perform when you didn't think he was going to perform it, you saw that thing seem like it just didn't work out. It died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She took her son when he died and she carried him back to that bed, that place they made for the man of God, that little room. She took him and carried her son and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and then she shut the door upon him and went out of it. I think this great woman is teaching us how to move by faith. As I begin to read and understand what she's actually doing is, she says, I'm going to bring you back to the man of God who spoke you. I don't know what to do. I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't know what to do in this situation. It's beyond my intellect. It don't. It just blowing my mind how God can prophesy one thing and a few years later the thing he prophesied died on me. Why would God get my hopes up and then after, after a while let me down so far? I don't understand this. This don't make any sense. And, and in our minds, we can rationalize. I was fine without it because I wouldn't have had to go through the heartbreak. I wouldn't have to go through the letdown. You could have just left me alone. I had fixed my peace not to have a son and not to have a child. I had fixed my mind to have joy and happiness without it. But what happens when God bless you with something and all of a sudden it's seems to slip out of your hand what happens when God bless you with a job and you, then you get let go from the very job that you prayed for and you wonder what happened in this situation this woman says I'm taking my son back to the man who prophesied I don't know what to do and then she does something that we can and we're not careful we'll pass right by it she shut the door what it means is there are times when trouble hits our home we got to learn to shut the door say shut the door what it means is there are times that things are so severe well trouble hits your house shut the door be discreet about it everybody don't need to know all the details everybody don't need to know every single thing that goes on in your house you don't need to put on social media every time you and your spouse are arguing because we can tell when something ain't going right in your house by how you act and respond some folks on Facebook we ain't got to know it means be discreet and you ain't got to tell everybody everything that's going on shut the door don't let it hang out. Have some composure under trouble. Have some decorum. Have some tact when you're going through. That's the first part it means shut the door. But the other spiritual aspect means she's sending that thing through prayer. This scripture says she shut the door. But I want to remind you that we're in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. And a few verses up, there's a story about a woman whose husband had died. And a prophet Elisha came to her and he asked her a question. He said, what do you have in your house? She said, prophet, I don't have nothing but a pot of oil he said oh that's all you got that's all you need he said take your sons and I'm gonna tell you what to do I'm gonna give you instructions go and borrow vessels of oil and don't borrow a few he says I need you to borrow like you ain't never borrowed before cuz this last this is your la I feel the Holy Ghost cuz this is your last time borrowing go ahead and borrow like you never borrowed before cuz what God's about to do is pay your debt he said get your sons and take the 
big pot of oil and take all the borrowed vessels of oil and you do the pouring. He says, but before you pour, go in the room and shut the door. He said, shut the door. There are times that God is starting to do things behind closed doors. Nobody can understand what you're going through and what you're facing. But if you learn to shut the door when you go through trouble, God will get behind the door and begin to work what he works behind the door. The Bible declares, as she poured into the, the borrowed vessels, the more they kept bringing vessels, she kept on pouring. What it means is, some way through this trial, God's going to sustain you. Some way through this trouble, God's going to keep you going. All you got to do is keep the door shut. You ain't got time to complain and whine about what ain't going right. Hush up and shut the door. She shut the door. And as she shut the door, she poured. And the Bible says, and the oil kept flowing. As she poured, the oil kept flowing. It means there are times you got to get in your prayer life and take that thing back to God. It done blew up in your face. It ain't working right. It ain't seem like it's working on schedule. Husband acting up. Spouse acting up. Children acting up. Boss acting up. Everything going haywire. I want to know when you're going to get back in prayer. You've been complaining about it. I want to know when you're going to get back in the face of God about it. You done told everybody your business. Okay. That's fine. I understand a little bit of agreement. A little bit of consolation. A little bit of comfort. But when are you going to get back in prayer? This woman shut the door. It meaning God's got to do something behind closed doors in this situation. God, she closed the door, laid her, her son on the bed and shut the door. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, come on, ain't just in the Old Testament, that same principle of shut the door shows up in the New Testament. Matthew 6 says, and when thou prayest, enter into thy closet and shut the door it's a spiritual phenomenon what happens when you say God I'm leaving it up to you I ain't got time to tell everybody what I'm going through can you look at your neighbor and say you won't have no idea I ain't told you the half of what I faced over the last three years. I ain't told you the half of what me and my husband had to face and what we've been through. I ain't told you the half of my testimony, but I told the Lord and I've shut the door. She shut the door. Verse 22, and she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men. Now, I, I, I know this, this seems like it's um, unrealistic but when you have faith in your household when you have faith in your house it gives you a different composure under tragedy her son has just died and I'm not trying to make it seem like we don't cry and have emotions but there's something about faith this woman says look here she goes she calls a servant say go to my husband and I pray thee uh, one of the young men tell him what get one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again I want you to know uh, that she says hey uh, I got an emergency situation I got to move real quickly but I'm gonna hold myself uh, um, together and it, she doesn't uh, disrespect her husband 
husband. And, and, and so, 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 y'all, I'm still teaching the text. I want you to understand there's no argument going on because of tragedy. Sometimes the enemy messes with our faith because in our household, when tragedy hits, we start arguing with one another and we start looking at each other funny. Listen, it's in the text. The woman did not tell her husband, but the reason she didn't tell him is because she did. It's not because she didn't love him. It's not because she uh, 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 disrespects him, but she had to move quickly and she didn't have time right now to get her emotions worked up. Come on. We got to stop tripping out over every little bit of the little thing in our relationships. She don't mess up the atmosphere of faith. It's in the text. She loved her husband. You saw it already. She's not trying to disrespect him, but in this moment, she got to get to God. Tell somebody I got to get to God. And anytime you know your spouse, you can overlook some things even when they don't totally do. I'm going to preach. Do everything right because you know their DNA. You know their heart. And you even understand that when they're under pressure and you even understand what they go through and how they think. Y'all come on up in here. Come on somebody. This woman don't even tell her husband anything. She tells the servant. Tell the servant. Tell my husband. She don't even say our child has died. And neither is there any type of argument going on. I'm working on an argument that's keep going in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. Keep working on it until you learn how to agree. Uh-huh. And he said, wherefore will thou go to him today? He, the husband said, hey, what you, what you doing? You going to the man of God? Why you go to him today? What's the occasion? Is it neither? It is neither a new moon or a Sabbath. He says, not a special sacred occasion. It's not a spiritual feast. Why are you going to the man of God today? And she said, listen what she said. It shall be well. See how faith talks in trouble? This is real trouble. But this woman says, it shall be well. In other words, she's not lying. Faith is not an opportunity to lie. She says it shall be well. In other words, if it's not well now, it'll be well later. It shall be well. I don't understand what's happening. See, you understand when you start living by faith, you start talking by faith. And even if God has done something mysterious, I don't know about y'all, God done some mysterious things in my life that I can't even unexplain why he did it that way, how he did it that way, why he took me that way. But this woman says it shall be well. In other words, I don't understand it, but if God still alive he gonna turn my rags into riches he gonna turn this thing for my good tell somebody it shall be well I'm preaching here in verse 24 then she saddled an ass and said to her servant drive and go forward and that's what some of us need to do in our trouble we need to drive and go forward stop looking back stop being slowful stop complaining stop hanging around with the wrong people get a drive <laughs> and go forward. Say, go forward. She said, Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. Meaning, don't slow down unless I tell you to slow down. I'm in a 911 situation. I need you to get to God, get to the man of God quick. I ain't got time to play. Some of us don't know when to get turned on serious mode. Some of us just laugh all day, kiki, ha ha. And we don't know when to turn up the pressure and get serious for things in life. Some of us don't understand how to get urgent for things. This woman gets urgent. She says, Drive and go forward, verse 25. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass that when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder, look, it's the Shunammite. Run, I pray thee, to meet her halfway and say unto her, Listen to this language, is it well with thee? 
because it's strange that you're coming back to me why are you coming back to me uh, you already told uh, my, your husband it shall be well and he asks is it well with thee is it well with thy husband is it well with thy child and she answered it is well. I don't know about you. Something is going on in this woman. I started off the scripture to say she's a great woman. She's not ordinary. She's supernatural. She's not regular. She's premium. This ain't talking about no lower level life. This is a woman that lives in the supernatural. This is a woman that walks in the presence of God. This is a woman that lives and walk by faith. So what you think she gonna do in trouble? She gonna live by faith in trouble. She even says to the, to the man of God she said it is well I don't know but sometimes when things seem crazy you got to know how to declare it is well when things not working right and things are going haywire you got to learn how to speak by faith and not by facts I know the facts but when you see my mouth I'm going to be speaking by faith I know what I'm dealing with but when I when I open my mouth see some of us don't understand the power of our words and we let our words create things we don't even want to live in and under your most emotional time of life you better know how to zip it up you better know how to be quiet sometime you better know how to hold your words don't you go off saying anything when you upset and when you mad and when you emotional and when you don't know what to do you better learn to be quiet if you don't know how to speak by faith you will mess up your environment you will mess up what God can do you will mess up resources coming your way sometime if you ain't got nothing good to say what did your mama tell you don't say nothing at all this woman declares it is she said it is well it is well Woo, powerful it is well it is well it is it is well Verse 27, and when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. And Gehazi came near to thrust her away. Now, you got to remember how this woman worked. When the servant came and said, meet her halfway, he says, everything go right? She said, it is well. But when she got to the prophet, she caught him by the feet. And Gehazi came near to thrust her away. The man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. So Elisha didn't know, and she wouldn't say it until she got there. In other words, I want to speak to him for myself. I don't want you, no servant, to get it wrong. I'm going to hold it till I get to the place of talking. Sometimes you got to hold it till you're ready to say it. Don't let your emotions say nothing. I don't know who I'm talking to, going through something, but God wants somebody to control your tongue in this season. I know I'm preaching prophetically. God wants you to hold your emotions together and hold your tongue together. Don't you speak before time and don't you say the wrong thing. Verse 28, and she said, did, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Didn't I say that already? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thy hand. In other words, let me pause. In other words, why has God done this? It's almost like an accusation against the word of God. Why has this happened? Didn't we already talk about this before you prophesied? That I told you don't play with me. That's what she said. She said, don't play with me, man of God. Don't play with me because if God said, I believe it. But don't play with me. You ain't got to say nothing nice to me because I've been nice to you. 
I understand how reaping and sowing works. You ain't got to make up. Can I teach a little bit? Y'all give me a few minutes. Can you ain't got to make up no prophetic word to me because you like me? Come on, somebody. You ain't got to be presumptuous and say, I see you in five years. You ain't got to say nothing to me. I'm cool. I'll keep serving the Lord because giving is a way of living. I said this is how I live giving is a way of living and God sustaining me and God bless me I'm still in the text and how I know that God was sustaining her because she would have never had the resources to build an extra room if she wasn't already blessed come on somebody she was already blessed enough that she could build a room for the man of God she already had enough so she wasn't sowing because she needed a right now miracle she says this is how I live I give to live and you ain't got to say nothing special to me but don't don't lie to me man of God he didn't lie he prophesied the word of the Lord and then verse 29 then he said to Gehazi gird up thy loins we got something to do take my staff in thy hand get my rod my staff and go thy way and if thou meet any man salute him not don't say nothing I want y'all to watch how people behave by faith when they're going through. This is what I want to teach while I'm talking about this. I want you to see, you already saw how the woman of God behaved. And look at the same type of instructions um, that he gives Gehazi. He says, when you're going through trouble and you're looking for a miracle, stop being distracted by normal conversations. There are times that some of your lives are under so much pressure. You don't have time to be on the phone with everybody. You are too messed up. The devil is trying to rob you. You are in a warfare for your life and you're still acting carnal and you're still acting like you ain't under pressure. When are you going to get serious and get in prayer? He tell him gird up and if anybody say anything to you, he said if you meet anybody, don't even say hello. In the text he said thank you sir he said get you some focus he said if you see anybody he said he said if you meet any man salute him not don't take time to be all gracious and hospitable how you been doing he said you ain't got time for that some of us need focus right now your back is against the wall you need focus and if any man salute thee answer him not again lay my staff this is what I need you to do take my staff my rod uh, my stick and put it on the face of the child Put it on the face of the child. That's what the instructions he give Gehazi is put it on the face of the child. I want you to understand, I got to teach about leadership a little bit right here. What's happening here uh, is very important. It's very important what's happening here because it shows us that although Jesus has paid our sin debt, even in the New Testament, and he has resolved our sin debt and given us access to the Father, one thing that God hasn't stopped doing is using mankind although we have Jesus he still has not dissolved the use for a man or a woman of God oh it's all over the text if it was so if it was so we have people who believe that this Bible that we read is just a history book and basically after Jesus died and was resurrected it was all over but no it was all just beginning matter of fact some people even believe that there are no more apostles could you believe that I don't even know how you can read the text and get that conclusion because after he developed the 12 apostles one one apostle went over the edge and ended his life but before the Holy Ghost came they had the nudge to bring another apostle in Matthias and they brought Matthias in to complete the 12 and so wait wait a minute if it was over how could somebody else come in 
if God was finished with apostles how could another one come in Jesus already died come on and all we waiting in and out is for the fulfillment of the Holy Ghost some people think God's already finished but he's not there are churches who don't believe in the foundational part of the kingdom the Bible says first apostles secondarily prophets it's the foundation of the church give me a few minutes really the real problem with the church universally is that the church is run mostly by pastors and evangelists and we need the apostolic anointing and the prophetic grace in the church because pastors which I am are like social workers and they get mushy sometimes and they get like Moses did and when Moses got in trouble and created the bill of divorcement and was getting people out of stuff that God didn't ordain he was between the people and got mushy and then Jesus came and corrected them and said that's not how you behave in marriage let me tell you when there potentially is a chance for divorce and he puts it y'all in the word he puts it in the scripture when there potentially is a chance for divorce but not like how they was living they were just swapping wives when they wanted to have a little problem swap the y'all what's wrong with y'all I'm in the text Moses got mushy and being in his pastoral type grace but the apostle and the prophet makes you have a plumb line apostle is the foundation I don't care what you build he'll come back and judge the foundation of it I don't care how big your beautiful your church look apostle come and judge the foundation and if he don't see biblical truth he said the rest of this it's getting ready to come down why because it doesn't have a strong foundation and I don't know where this church now believes that God is finished tell somebody God's not finished because even after the 12 apostles he brought in Matthias and then after that they even ordained more apostles but just when they thought they had their hand on who can be apostles God saved Saul and called him to be one of the greatest apostles that most of our New Testament is written by somebody who never walked along with Jesus but it was revealed come on and tell somebody God not finished you can't put God in no box and decide that God was finished God ain't finished People talking about there are no more apostles and no more prophets. What are you talking about? Well, you have to explain Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Why are we way in the book of Ephesians talking about, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. If that was the case, why are we still talking about him? What are we going to do with Anna, the prophetess, who's in the New Testament at the household? What are we going to do with her still functioning in the grace? tell somebody God's not finished what I'm trying to tell you is God still uses man and woman to carry out things for himself God don't just need give me a few minutes I'm working this thing God don't just need men and women of God to handle sacred things he need us to handle special things not just sacred not just communion not just baby blessings uh, not just weddings and funerals but God needs somebody consecrated to handle special things. Not just sacred things, but special things. And I want you to notice that God is doing this thing through Elisha. He tells the man of God, go get my staff and put it on the face of the child. Put it on the face of verse, verse 30. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Says, sure as God is still on the throne, as sure as I'm still alive, I'm going to stay right here. And he arose and followed her, and Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. So he did what God said to. 
as a man of God, laid that staff on that child. And there was no voice, no hearing, no signs of life. Wherefore, he went again to meet him, and he told him, saying, the child has not awake. child is still dead. He told Elisha, I did what you told me to do. But the child is still in the same state that he was. I've acted in faith, done what you told me to do. Uh, but nothing has changed. Verse 32, when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went therefore, went in therefore, see the key verse again, and he did what? He shut the door upon them twain, both of them, and he did what? He prayed unto the Lord. There it is. That's the manifestation of it. He said, I'm going to pray to the Lord. Although I'm a man or you're a woman of God, you don't act outside of God. He says, I still need God to do what God does. And we can't get besides ourselves. We got to remember, we are not God. We are just a man or a woman of God. Come on, somebody. And we still need God to work through us to do what he's going to do. Come on. We don't separate from God and act like we're our own entity and do what we want to do. In other words, Elisha shows the servitude and the humility it actually takes to be a man and woman of God. He shows us what God is calling for in his leaders. People who are submissive, who obey God's word. And then when he don't see manifestation, they don't get caught up. That is about them. Know why we got so many leaders giving up? Because they think it's about them. They obey God and then God may not respond. Like, let me, can I teach this for a little bit? Y'all don't understand that that faith is not a guarantee. Now this going to mess you up. Because you like to think that faith is a guarantee. And that's not Bible. The Bible says that faith faith makes things possible and I say what is impossible with man by faith all things are what not guaranteed and so there are times that God may call us to do something listen here it's gonna mess you up God may cause you to do something you heard God but God may not do what you thought he was gonna do but he told you to go lay that rod on that man's face and you thought that means he was gonna wake up the truth of the matter faith is about obedience ain't about God's response it's about can you obey even when you don't get the result you was going to get see we think faith means guarantee God you told me you told me yeah I told you but that didn't mean you was going to get what you thought you was going to get because if that was the case we'll walk around with faith in a bottle thinking faith is a genie and faith is not a genie if that was the case we'll have God on more errands and having God wearing an apron because we'll use our faith to have God doing stuff that's not in his will and everything you believe for God ain't gonna do I might as well go ahead and bust your bubble this morning that there's things you gonna pray for and God may not answer it don't mean you should not have faith and it doesn't mean you should not pray but faith is not used to control God. Faith is not because if that's the case, we'll have God doing stuff he's never interested in. It's there in the text that he obeys God and nothing works in the moment. 34, and he went up and laid upon the child and put his mouth, mouth, put his mouth upon his mouth. And his eyes upon his eyes. And his hands upon his hands. And stretch himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child works warm. You might as well read it like I'm reading it. That don't sound right. I said it don't sound right. I said it don't sound right. Is in other words, I'm, I'm telling somebody, lay down and let me lie on top of you. It don't sound right. There's times by living by faith, God will tell you to do stuff that don't sound right. 
and don't look right but what makes it right is you already have a reputation of living for God that when God calls you to do crazy things people can stand up for you can I preach a little bit see the reason that as men and women of God we got to be free from perversion because when God calls us to do crazy things we got to have a reputation that people say oh no that's a holy man of God I don't know why he's doing what he's doing but that's a holy see when your eyes are not purified or if you're living a perverted lifestyle as a man and woman of God then people don't know what you're doing when you move it in faith they don't know what you're doing and they start being skeptical and the reason why we have so many skeptics in the body of Christ because we don't have enough men and women of God who live in clarity we don't have enough people of God if you live in clarity Monday through Saturday if something happens on Sunday that don't seem like that was God you got a built-up reputation to say I don't understand what's going on but I know that's a man of God I don't understand what's going on but I know that's a woman of God and it was his reputation that preceded him in moments like this your reputation uh-huh he had a reputation so even when he did something that was unorthodox see if you ain't practically living right most of the time when you finally do something orthodox they're gonna show say oh he in the flesh know why because you was in the flesh all the other times and nobody can tell you was in the spirit because you've been in the flesh so much they are skeptical if this is God But he's free from perversion so that even when he does something that seems almost perverted because he laid on y'all don't ignore the text it's right there he laid on the child and he put his mouth on his mouth why y'all don't want to read what I'm reading he put his mouth on his mouth on the child's mouth put his hands on it, his eyes on him and he stretched forth himself I'm telling you there are times I gotta preach on both sides as a man or woman of God you got to be focused on an assignment you ain't got time to be carnal come on I gotta finish preaching here I gotta come through while I'm preaching it come on you can't be looking at every woman and she be looking her up and down and looking at every man you got to get focused on your assignment come on somebody I cannot preach the text Jesus is at the well in the middle of the day ain't nobody else at the well but him and the woman she already know how to hook up a man she already got five husbands and come on but Jesus understand this woman is my assignment and I ain't supposed to sleep with her I ain't supposed to be in the bed y'all ain't saying nothing you got to be focused enough that everything you ain't praying after what God has told you to be your assignment Jesus doesn't sleep with the woman at the well she needs a word from God she needs deliverance we need people who can get consecrated and everything they in the flesh and in the carnal come on somebody come on man God can't use you but every time you see a pretty woman you lose sight of God that pretty woman is suffering that pretty woman got depression that pretty woman about to commit suicide you got to get yourself in the face of God so you can deal with these areas of your life I ain't saying nothing you got to get your vessel right if God gonna use us supernatural I'm telling you I feel an anointing today if God's gonna use us again we got to be trusted again if God gonna trust us with miracle signs and wonders we got to be trusted come on so we got to get our focus right we got to get our focus right I'm almost done hold tight hold tight yeah I got more to say about that but I'll finish later verse 35 then he returned and walked into the house 
to and fro. Have you ever walked the floors? You turn, he, he, uh, he laid upon the child, and, and uh, it said the child got warm. He said, all right. Let me tell you something about God sometimes, and about faith. Sometimes you got to keep on trying. Says we got to keep on trying. <sighs> sometimes he put the staff on the child, nothing happened. And uh, sometimes you just got to keep on trying. Sometimes your faith has to be tenacious. And you say, God, I, I know you can do this. God, I, I know the results I'm getting. I know you can bring this thing out. I know you can turn it around. He goes back and he layers upon the child. And then he begins to walk to and fro. Just begin to walk in pace. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm getting in the flow of prayer, I begin to move and just walk. I begin to just walk the floor and and I know when I walk, I always say I'm taking authority for every place my feet should tread that God gives me authority. That's what I do when I walk in prayer. That's the first scripture I quote. That when I start moving, I say I'm walking in faith. I'm walking in power. Nothing can stop me and my God. Anything God declares, it's going to come to pass. When I pray and walk, when I start walking, I start taking authority over demons and imps. Some of y'all need to start walking in your house. You done got dormant. You ain't said a word. You need to walk up and down that house and put your foot on it and say no devil you're not gonna have this you're not gonna take us out we're under pressure but god's with you put your foot on that thing putting your foot on it is a sign of ownership putting your foot on it is a sign of authority he begins to walk to and fro and went up and stretched himself again upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. We're almost done here. I want you to understand this very clearly. Hallelujah. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to sneeze, sneeze seven times. Go. You ain't sneezed not one time. Not one time did you sneeze. You ain't do it. You just made a sneezing noise. That's all you did. Because the truth of the matter is, you can't make yourself sneeze. A sneeze is an involuntary action that happens in the body. And what God was saying through the sneezing of seven times is, I, he didn't have to have instruction. He didn't have to have experience or talent to do this. God said, I'm going to show you that he alive. Not only is he warm, but I'm going to cause the body to go through what the body does without anybody prompting him to do something. And God says, I'm going to sneeze seven times in some of y'all lives. What does the seven sneezes mean? It means nobody going to stop what God is going to do. Nobody have to prompt it. Nobody have to tell it to go. God said, divinely seven, the number of perfection. I'm going to sneeze seven times. And that seventh that seven time represents that God involuntarily by his power made this child sneeze seven times seven times child sneezed and opened his eyes he called Gehazi and said call this Shunammite so he called her and when she was coming to him he said take up thy son here's your son and she went in she fell at his feet that's my last point and bowed herself to the ground the last thing she says, the one thing I'm going to get corrected in this whole challenging situation, I'm going to keep my worship. Say, keep my worship. Keep your worship. This is my final point. She kept her worship. Even when you work waiting on God to finish something, I'm done. Waiting on God to finish something, you got to keep your worship. She bowed herself to the gown. She, in honor to God who brought us through that trouble situation. When you stand on your feet, I wanna, I'm prophesying, I'm speaking to many of you today that God's not finished. 
things that you thought were dormant, dead, things that you think would, couldn't be brought back to life. God said, I'm going to bring it back to life. Relationships that you thought were ended, God said, some of these things, I'm going to bring it back. Some of it, I'm going to bring it back. Not all of it. Don't get scared. <laughs> they get scared. They're like, Lord, I ain't having no faith for that. That's over. But God has a way of you. Lift your hands. I'm praying. And I'm prophesying to somebody as sure as I know the Lord wanted me to finish this today. That he's not finished. There's some things that have took a stalemate in your life. It just went cold. It just went cold. You don't got no momentum in this area of your life. But God said, I'm not finished. Some of you are about to retract your faith in an area that God said, I need you to keep believing me for it. I even felt in my time of meditation and prayer that there are some children that God's going to redeem and restore. And he's talking to parents to say, don't you give up on that child. <laughs> I promise you that kid and I'm going to do something in his life. I'm going to do something in her life. I just need you to trust me again. Because, you know, you can get tired of a person that you just, like, forget that. I don't know. I'm human just like you are. You can get tired of a person. You can, like, forget you. You in the hands of the Lord, and I ain't got nothing to do with you. Right. But God said, I want you to trust me in that child. I want you to trust me in this circumstance. God is telling you he's not finished. There's some things he's about to redeem. There's some things he's about to restore. There's some things he's about to bring back. And that seven represents perfect will. It's God's design will. You're going to look up and God's going to start doing it. You're going to look up and God's going to start performing it. If you believe in God, come on, clap your hands today. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family, and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you, and join us again.